Welcome to the Procurement Unplugged podcast, the podcast for procurement professionals. Great to have you with us today. Welcome to another episode of Procurement Unplugged. Uh, we are very delighted to have today Pauline King as a guest. Pauline has more than 20 years experience in procurement and has seen like uh, both uh, sides in the US as well as in Europe and uh, even wrote uh, a very respected white paper about certain challenges we still face today in procurement. So Pauline, uh, very happy to have you here today. Great to be here, Fabian. Great to be so here. maybe you can quickly introduce yourself and uh, let our audience know how you kind of found your way into procurement. Right. Well, I'm I'm American, but I've been living in Europe for over 30 years now. Um, and my start in procurement was by chance. Um, I was working at UBS and one of my doing an NT rollout. And one of my clients was corporate sourcing. And then I ended up taking a job in corporate sourcing um, back in the late 90s at UBS. And uh, that was how I started my journey into procurement. And then I did a few years at Accenture selling procurement services. And then I was head of indirect procurement at Syngenta for a bunch of years where we did a transformation there. Um, and now in the last five years, I'm independent consultant, uh, working in indirect procurement and specialized in the finance processes around procurement and bringing savings to P&L. It sounds like a truly amazing journey. So over all those years and all those different uh, stops of your career, um, how has procurement changed over those two, three decades well, if you, I mean, if you look at indirect procurement, one of the interesting things about it as a function is that, you know, 20 years ago, it was still a very um, kind of accounts payable, receivable administrative job, um, which turned into what was called strategic sourcing for a while. So staying in the indirect um, area. Um, and then that has evolved into now what we call procurement and sourcing and all of these things. So some of the shift has been moving into this more strategic aspect. Um, but in other ways, it hasn't changed so much from the first days of it was more of an A.T. Kearney concept back in the day. And some things haven't changed. So it depends on a company. Some companies are still very immature um, and some are, you know, really very sophisticated and mature how they go to market. So you would say even after 25, 30 years, uh, indirect procurement still has not that kind of prestige or, or signaling like direct procurement? I think it really depends on the industry um, and the company, but yes. So, you know, it is still an area which is sometimes um, under underestimated, which is, of course, crazy because it's so much money um, in a, from a company. Um, so you do have the big companies do have a more sophisticated approach, um, more from manufacturing side and services banks are still, I would say less mature in that area. But one thing we were talking about was, uh, one white paper that I've kept since 2000 when I wrote it at UBS. And this was about marketplaces, um, and changes there. And in some ways, not much has changed. So there have been steps forward, but, you know, it's always funny to go backwards and look at these things and see 
what has not changed yet. Yeah, maybe you could elaborate a bit on 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 basically what was uh, what was the the topic of your of your white paper and the findings and 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 how things have changed or not changed in the last um, twenty years since two thousand and one. Well, you know, what we were looking at um, with that paper was more around the goods part of the indirect portfolio. And the concept was to take the buying power. Um, it was a big bank of the bank and make that available as a platform to to own clients. Um, so a kind of a, a mix between a B2B and a B2C kind of a marketplace. Um, and, you know, so now you do have you do have some big marketplaces um, that are working but for example, if you look at like more complex categories, really there's there's not much out there. So there are some things around electronic uh, RFI, RFP processes, which work somewhat, um, but which aren't easy to use. And, you know, I think so far the promise is, is not really there yet. I mean, that's very interesting that uh, not, not much development has been happening in that area. But um, I think if we if we further look into the key challenges, I mean, um, what was uh, like if 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 you look back uh, uh, to to all those years, what what do you think are kind of the key challenges and obstacles of indirect procurement? I mean, you've seen various huge organizations, but also different industries. So I think that will be uh, super super interesting to 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 touch on that. Yeah. I mean, I think the the big um, challenge of indirect procurement is always one of the key things is around the savings. Um, and so, you know, the procurement teams say we have achieved savings um, and then it's not reflected uh, from a financial perspective in the P&L. And the big gap there is simply um, there's no automatic link between cost center and whatever your financial reporting um, might be around the savings, so it's not like cogs. Um, and I think this is one of the one of the big challenges that remains because it's a manual process between procurement, finance, and the cost center owner. And making that work is actually more of a management process. And I think that's why people find it challenging. So you need to be able to baseline. Uh, projects which procurement goes on and on about cost avoidance which people actually don't care about from your financial number it's not a financial number um, and so there needs to be a shift in procurement to adopt the language of finance there needs to be a change in the relationship between finance procurement and the business um, talking about numbers um, and making that relevant to the PL. and that becomes a virtuous circle when you can really show the impact, there's often an aha effect for senior management, which then opens doors, um, which allows you then to also go into projects which are perhaps more, shall we say, not controversial, but which touch the business more. So the minute you start getting into complex categories, it's touching um, on a more strategic side of the company. And so then you get more resistance. Nobody cares about pens but they care about um, creative agencies for marketing, for example. So, so this is a little bit the dilemma that uh, indirect procurement finds itself in. And then I think the other big thing is they don't do enough selling. So a big part of success in indirect procurement is managing all your stakeholders and basically doing selling internally on the value, um, also on projects that are not financial projects, risk reduction, et cetera. You need to tell 
and communicate the story, which procurement doesn't do <laughs> or needs to do better on, let's say that. Basically, uh, you're saying like a huge challenge is the collaboration with, with the stakeholders. Yeah. I mean, yes. as of now, are there any tools or have you seen in your like uh, 20, 30 years of procurement history, any tools or is the collaboration uh, what you're like uh, emphasizing on is, is, is that still pretty much offline and analog? Very much offline and analog. Um, there are tools out there in theory on collaboration, um, but when you kind of drill into it, they're hard to use. Um, and so you have things like gathering supplier feedback, uh, feedback on suppliers. So in theory, you can do that. There are solutions for that. But in reality, when you're actually trying to roll it out and actually getting people to use it, it's hard. It's not intuitive, um, and so people don't use it. So then you're back to email and exchanging and things like that. I mean, this is what happens. So, like, along with the collaboration, a lot of manual and tedious work, even, like, in 2021. Yes, yes. yes. I had a client recently, and that was exactly it. So they had spent a lot of money on a big technical rollout um, and there was the desire to make everything more, um, you know, less, less email driven. And it was a total, just didn't work. <laughs> you know, there was issues around, you know, master data and collaboration and ease of use. And actually it was easier to use email than to use the tool. So they didn't use it. For and would things. you say that's predominantly a challenge? Would you say that's predominantly a challenge of indirect procurement or also you, you see that behavior or that kind of challenges in direct procurement? I think that's actually a general challenge, um, especially in terms of supply relationship management. Um, so I don't think that's especially an indirect challenge. It's across. Mm. I would say that's across, to be honest. Okay. So the unique thing about indirect is that kind of selling job with regards to the collaboration with the end user. Yeah. Yes. So it requires um, sophisticated stakeholder skills, engagement skills, um, but also communication skills, etc. So, you know, there there's lots of collaboration tools out there. I'm not talking about that in the general, um, but a lot of the things out there just don't live up. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's also very interesting if we... If we a very cynical view, maybe. If we speak about the, if we speak about the skills, um, I think if you look like 20 years back, I think the skills required from a purchaser were also different um, than the skills someone needs now. Or how do you see um, that kind of uh, expected skills from a procurement person or how they have changed over the last two, three decades? Yeah. I mean, in, you know, if you look way back, you know, that's clearly a completely different uh, role profile, actually. So here you're really talking about, you know, the very, um, you know, pay the invoices, um, you know, bookkeeping type of type of profile. So today, you know, the, you know, the sophisticated category managers, that's a completely different um, type of person. Um, you know, these are different kind of educational background, etc. Um, so the, the function has changed dramatically and the kinds of people um, are really different. Uh, you know, I do remember at the beginning of my journey in indirect, you still had a lot of conversations with the, with the bookkeeping people. Um, that's, that's over. 
you know, that's that's just part of P2P processes and things around sourcing is a completely different uh, different field, person, etc. Yeah, sense. totally. I mean, also our world has changed a lot. I mean, previously you mentioned that certain organizations, they still operate to a certain degree uh, immature or like Uh, indirect procurement in particular is immature in 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 like many organizations also depending on the on the on the industry i mean like given that you've seen and advised so many companies what do you what would you advise those companies uh? <laughs> well the very first thing um you know depending on where a company is at but honestly the very first thing is to look at the money um and so if if they don't have their kind of more or less their spend under control and the kind of where is the flow of, of the money? Do they have savings baselines? Do they have a pipeline? Um, you know, are they forward thinking at all? You know, how how is the relationship with finance? So I always start on that core um, pipeline. Is their pipeline maximized? Are they working on stuff they shouldn't be working on? Well, a lot of, th a lot of times you go in and you have expensive resources working on stuff which is, you know, the savings is going to be a thousand dollars. You know, like, why are you working on that? <laughs> so sometimes it's a maximizing of the portfolio, what you should not be doing, what you're doing more intensively. And then projects that they haven't tackled because of internal politics, or they're afraid to um, more controversial projects. So that's one side. And then the other side is the measurement and getting those savings captured into the budget cycle is essentially what the game is about. And that's the core of, of what you have to do first. Um, and, you know, a lot of times companies are, are focused very, I don't know, they're focused on putting in sophisticated tools where they don't even have the basics um, in place yet. So, so these, you have to address the whole portfolio of what you do in indirect, but that's the first core step that I always recommend. Because that's where the money is. And when you show the money, that increases your credibility with senior management. This gives you more, you know, more um, space for maneuverability, etc. So it's a positive, it's a way to make a positive circle. Very interesting. No, makes completely sense. And I mean, if we talk about the more mature organizations who use already like certain mm -hmm. procurement systems, um, you were saying earlier on the key challenges were the collaboration, the selling aspect and the manual yes. work along the sourcing process. So, I mean, do you have any solutions or ideas how to overcome those challenges? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the minute you sort of have the basics and then you're getting into more complex um, categories, um, you know, then it's always, then it is about what projects do you go for? How do you engage with your stakeholders? So some is very basic, you know, stakeholder engagement, stakeholder mapping, communication planning, and really doing that, you know, in a, you know, in the German word, consequent way, um, which people just don't do. I don't know why, um, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, do are people using the collaboration in the best way? Are they doing everything by email? Are there other ways to do it? Um, but there is a kind of a core of how do you, you know, how do you, for very complex things like a creative agency, how do you break that down? So this is a this is a dilemma, which which is why it's more difficult. So you have highly specialized um, categories with highly specialized you know levers, and what are all the things in there? 
and how do you break that down? That's, I would say, the big challenge um, that's out there, which is all, you know, one can break. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, like if we if we then look further into the future, I mean, what would be uh, the vision for you with regards to um, procurement and also in particular with regards to indirect procurement? I mean, I really think this, this game, this endless this topic of what is the really value-added things? Um, how can you how can you break down categories and really looking at what are the things which really need brains, brain power, and what are the things which are repetitive, um, which can be done in a different way? Um, I think this is this is always what's going forward. And you know, I'm not an expert in AI and all of these things, but there's the, the promise and the hope of that that maybe that uh, improves on that side. But I think this is always the game. Uh, you know, what are the spaces, um, you know, looking at the low end spend, why, who's who's doing it? Maybe that needs to be automated. So there's a lot of things that can be simplified and automated. Um, it's just need to happen. So sometimes it's more an organization is clinging to projects which are low value um, when they should just stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> And do it in a different way, you know, if that makes sense. Sounds very, that's very, you know, ge ge generic, but, you know, this is, uh, this is what you find. People are really invested in working on stuff which is not value-adding. Yeah, I mean, we've heard, uh, we've heard a lot about, like, um, autonomous buying um, and so on. Is that also something you can envision in the future that in, in, in indirect procurement we can enable the end user to do autonomous buying? You know, I don't know how far that can go, but for sure more than what it does today. You know, and for example, if you look at marketing and you look at creative agencies, you can break that down. There are parts of that which are actually repetitive and, you know, in theory should be able to be automate, automized. I can't think of the right word. Automated. See, so I'm mixing terms. <laughs> um, and... Um, you know, and I think there are other areas which are more qualitative, um, which perhaps are no, don't lend themselves to automation. But yeah, there should be more. Um, and I think people have a tendency to mix the things which are qualitative with the things which can be more quantitative, perhaps. And perhaps splitting those two things out helps to look at, okay, this part we can automate. Um, and this part, no, not yet. If, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, basically what you are um, saying and advising our audience is like to really break things down, not shoot for the big vision, because we never know if that vision of autonomous buying really scales and works for all the categories and then see in what category we can automate certain things. And maybe with the more complex categories, we just automize certain, certain steps. So I think that's a, that's a very, uh, uh, smart, but also exactly. tangible and, and achievable <laughs> approach. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. It's more practical. Um, and so, yes, absolutely, 100% agree with that. Yeah, we've already uh, reached the end of our little uh, podcast session. It was a true pleasure to have you here to talk about the development of indirect procurement over the last um 
25, 30 years and uh, how you were seeing the challenge of the lag of uh, B2B platforms already like exactly 20 years ago. So very, very interesting insights. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. This was the Procurement Unplugged podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. For more podcasts and expert content, visit us at procurementunplugged.com.